Welcome to the Art of Slowing Down to Quantum Leap podcast that I created especially for conscious introvert entrepreneurs. And if you desire to grow and quantum scale without the hustle and are ready to discover the missing pieces to effortlessly running a solo line business, then this is for you. And I'm your host, Annalena Fuchs, a human design and energetic alignment coach. And my mission with this podcast is to provide you with a shortcut to your most aligned path to success and financial freedom using a powerful combination of human design, science, and spirituality. And I myself have shifted from working nine to five to now enjoying the freedom of creating things on my own terms. And I want to help you do the same. Welcome everybody, it's Annalena here. Welcome to another episode of the Art of Slowing Down podcast. And today I'm beyond excited because I have a super special guest. I'm actually so excited to learn from her a lot. Her name is Erin West and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her bio and then we will have a beautiful conversation. So Erin is an Ivy League graduate and lawyer, and she found herself at a crossroads at her two-decade marriage to her children's father was ending, and she could either continue on with a high-achieving life that left her exhausted, stressed, and with challenging physical symptoms, or she could redesign her life to be aligned with or made her feel more herself. She chose the latter, and during what she calls her blank state period, she traveled globally with her kids and began learning to trade stocks for income. That's what I want to learn. <laughs> and eventually her friends who were still tired and stressed themselves began to ask her to teach them how to trade. And in early 2022, she began teaching them and has continued teaching women this powerful money tool that hasn't traditionally been available to them. And then also in terms of human design, because I always ask my beautiful guests if they know at least about human design. So she's a two, six, two mental projector with a left hand cross of dominion. And I love that because, especially being a projector, I love everything that we're going to talk about because exhaustion and burnout, I think, are everywhere. And I'm just so happy to have you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. So I would love to start a little bit with your story. So you were in the hustle, corporate grind world, were exhausted, burned out, and all the shebang, right? Absolutely. and. It's it's how I had been living for as long as I can remember. It was how do I A plus every single thing that I do, right? So when I was a kid, that was in school, that was in sports. And then when I got to college and law school and even in a relationship, right? It was reading all of the books. How do I, how am I, how am I the best partner? And then I had kids. And on top of that, it was, you know, how am I the best parent? And all of that required so much energy. It felt like I would wake up and I wouldn't stop until I would literally fall asleep for decades. And it was mm. the only way that I knew it's all that I had seen in culture. Is It's all that I had seen from my parents, from my peers. And so I figured that's the way. Right. Yeah. We have to work hard, right? Right. Right. Do your mm. best, which can yeah. be inspiring and also can leave you really depleted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, 
dreaming human design a little bit into it, you are, have an undefined SQL as a projector, right? And I think one of the things we learn right in the get-go is like, you're not designed for the nine to five, right? Because you have these spurts of energy where you can get done in a short amount of period of time, like super much. And then you need longer periods of time, which is not necessarily always Saturday and Sunday, right? <laughs> right. Oh, I wish, I so wish that I knew that sooner. I thought for years that there was something wrong with me because exactly what you articulated is how I work. It's, it's like working in blocks or almost sometimes I'll say, you know, it, it feels like I'm binging on work and mm. I feel like I can get so much done. I've noticed recently in the last year or so, it happens to align with full moons. I'll find myself mm. getting so much done and then I'll check my phone and it'll say, oh, we're in a full moon. Um, but then once that's passed, I need a lot of stillness. I need a lot of rest mm. and so much of my work having come from this other way, right. Of work, 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 go, go, go is mm. managing these dueling voices. The one that says, okay, you've rested enough, go again. And the other one that says, mm, no, not yet. Right. Like sort of mm. managing that discomfort and waiting for the resistance to dissolve and being confident and having trust that, you know, the time will come again and I'll get so much done. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I want to share this because we, we kind of briefly talked about it before we started recording. So I'm a manifesting generator, right? I am supposedly, I have all the energy in the world and can do everything like what we often hear in human design, but I feel a lot like you, you know, like it's not too far off, like, because when we do what doesn't light us up, our cycle gets degenerated. And actually that's what you guys amplify. So you amplify our burnout, right? Because <laughs> the majority of generators and managers are actually burned out. Um, so we are here actually, I feel I feel like through the undefined cycle, we are learning to actually work in a way that's smarter, but not harder. And I find that what you're doing is the prime example and i i think i uh, i wanted to share this also with the audience my partner has been asking me for a couple of years now i want you to learn how to you know do the stocks and trading and those kind of things and i was kind of like also feel like really drawn i'm a numbers person and i actually love it but there's some resistance definitely that i have like who am i like i don't have the money i still have some debt actually like i can't right this and right. and i'm not a I, I have this. So I went to college in Germany for business administration. I actually studied corporate finance. So I actually oh, wow. did the whole options and futures and stuff. I was really good at it. I had great grades. But then when it came to finding a job, you know, all the guys, they went to the uh, investment banking firms and I kind of, I wasn't cut for it. Honestly, I didn't want to have a lifestyle either. I could not imagine myself working like 16 hours a day and not even, I mean, constantly traveling. So I was actually grateful in hindsight that it didn't work out. Even the whole consulting, like McKinsey wasn't consulting. Like I had my little experiences throughout my studying with, with some projects, like um, or case studies with my professor there, but I never landed like a proper internship. And I, and I thought, well, I'm not cut for it, you know? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, you were talking about the whole thing with the suit and ties, and I would like for you to yeah, share a little bit more about this with the, the whole. And how did you get into trading, first of all? Yeah, so I had oh, so much there, so much we can we can talk about. But I, so several years ago, I found myself 
ending a two decade marriage to my children's father. And I realized that um, at that point he had decided to move across the country. So Mm -hmm. I I realized I was actually going to be a full-time single mom of my two children. And I had been practicing law and I realized, well, I could keep doing that, but that would require me to go into the office or at least, you know, work from home, but talking about eight, 10 or 12 hour days to make it Mm -hmm. all work. And I just wondered, I asked the question, is there a different way, right? Could there be a different way? Because I already was exhausted. Even when I had a partner, I was exhausted because I was trying to do everything in this way that I, I thought I should, which is in requiring a ton of effort. Mm -hmm. And so what was interesting is that I sort of let go of the outcome. I asked the question, is there another way? And I didn't have an answer immediately, but maybe for the first time in my life, I said, okay, what, feels good in a somatic way to me to do right now. So I sold my house. I sold my car. I put everything in storage. I realized as I shut the storage unit, I had no keys, right? For the first time in my adult life, I did not keys. And my kids and I had each a carry-on suitcase and we went to Oaxaca, Mexico, which is a place that is dear to my heart. And that's what we did. And we didn't know how it would unfold. And I was there and, you know, divorce is hard. It's absolutely a transformative experience. And in that time I came across trading and it was sort of a distraction at the time. It was just something fun to do that, um, you know, people do Sudoku and they do other things like that. But I thought, okay, this will, this will take my mind away from the really hard emotional work of the divorce. And I ended up really loving it. I thought it was fun. And I went really deep in terms of my learning. And then the thing that really hooked me is that I realized that it was not just charts and numbers, that it was actually reflecting back everything that we experience in life, right? Like the concept of the holographic principle that a single particle of one thing can duplicate the whole of it somewhere else. Mm. And so I started to see patterns like there was, there's loss in trading, but we all experience loss in our lives. There's a lot of waiting, right? Like thinking of um, non-negotiables and standards, like I'm not entering this trade until this price, but how many of us um, either reach or grasp for something that's not really great for us when, when the real work is in waiting and being clear on, no, this is what I'm available for. And it just, I saw so much in the trading itself. And then I got really excited because it felt super existential. So I was both making money, traveling globally with my kids. We spent a month in Paris. We traveled all around the Yucatan and the Cenotes and we were all over and I was trading different times of the day, depending on where I was. And it was fun in the way that math was fun for me in high school and college but it also, it went so much deeper, right? I realized it was a crucible for growth, which is always something I'm into. Mm. So that's how I got into it. Yeah. I got goosebumps when you were talking about the, just like, because you you took that leap of faith. And first of all, I want to kind of, I love to kind of sometimes reflect back because 
you ask the question, right? Because we, and, and I love this because you're a mental projector, right? You have had an ashna defined and the mind is all about asking questions, right? And and you have this 63 and the 64 in your incarnation course, which is all it's about asking questions, about curiosity, mm. right? And you did exactly that instead of trying to figure it out because we humans tend to like be smarter. I should know what I need to do, but you just trusted like somatic, like what feels good in your body. You just want to travel and let it all go. I just yeah. want to be free. And, but it's scary at the same time. I mean, we're humans, we have fears, letting go of these like fundamental needs, like a home and the, the, the soul, so-called security. So I just want to thank you for sharing that story mm-hmm. because it, it just shows us that the power of asking questions and letting life show us actually what's possible, right? And yeah. just the magic that unfolded from that. It's just like, you could never have figured that out, right? Sitting down in your office and like, okay, what's my plan? <laughs> yeah, that's so true because, I mean, it really was an exercise in letting go and releasing. And I had lived my life entirely in the other paradigm. I was the best planner right? I was the Mm. master of the one month, three month, six month, nine month, you know, one year, five year plan. I, I was obsessive. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a Virgo sun and a Virgo moon. And I have Mm. so much of that planning listy energy in me. And yet I'm Pisces rising. And Mm. it was like, Oh, what happens if I take a cue from the water, right? The water just flows the water doesn't pound up against a rock it just goes around it Mm. right and so I took a different approach entirely and it has been nothing short of expansive and transformative and there are times it still feels really uneasy because I lived in that other world for so long right I have to bring myself Mm. back I'll get pulled into that and, and then I'll remember oh no that actually doesn't feel good in my body let's let's try the softer way right mm. yeah and of course because the nervous system is so used to it's safe to plan it's safe. and actually again if i look at your human design you have three arrows pointing to the left head and ash are defined that is the and then the virgo energy and then of course it's all planning and strategy and da, da 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 but then you dive into the dream world right the pisces and the imagination yeah. and all of this and look what comes out and that just always shows me that we need both we need the balance right it's not this or that it's like a coin it has two sides always and you were too much in the structural right the the, the masculine kind of energy and you fully surrendered into the the more feminine so and now you bring back i mean the trading is definitely you combine it right in a you infuse it with the feminine of how life works. And I love when you talked about, you know, how, because that's what I have a human design. I, I understand how everything works and it all like with how nature works and how human design shows. And I think you see that in training. And I, I found this so fascinating. Like, yeah, it teaches us patience. So true. I, that just was like a epiphany light bulb moment for me. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, the working name for the class at the beginning, I was calling it existential trading because that's mm-hmm. what it felt like to me. It, you know, it's, it could not be reduced to bars and numbers. And in fact, I think we, 
we forget, we think of money and we think of it as an intangible object, but we forget that economics is a social science. Humans, that's why it's in the social science because it involves humans. Human beings with nervous systems, with emotions that respond to news and new information, they're the ones trading, right? We think it is a stock. It's an inanimate stock or an inanimate Mm. company or or fiction, which is what a corporation is, but it's humans. And, Mm. and so there's so much richness in that. And that's what I love. And, and to your point, right. It doesn't have to be either, or we get to live in the all and, and that's how I have taught my course. So the way that I teach it also the structure is, is far more what we might consider like a feminine energy. It's all based in ease. It's not mm-hmm. based in a schedule. It's not stay on this schedule or you're behind. It's I offer my students, they can take my class as many times as they want, right? You can, I have people now taking it for the fourth mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and I, it's all about ease. So I send you a five minute video every morning because that's what my friends who asked me to teach them wanted. They said, we're already exhausted to your point there mostly many gens and generators who are exhausted. And they said, we want to learn this mm. and we feel like we have no time. So it's, you know, it's come as you are when you're ready. One of my big tenants in is wait for the resistance to dissolve, right? Because then the day that you actually have a desire, maybe you'll listen to five or six videos in a day. Yeah. Right? Like, can mm. we let go of the things that tell us we have to be the same every day? right? Concepts of discipline and willpower, they can be useful, but are they really serving us, right? No. Yeah. From my experience, like what you just said, right? I Like this week and I'm, I'm in my cycle. I just started my cycle and last day I was freaking tired. I, I, I couldn't even sit on the computer. I was just looking at the computer and today I feel like I'm fresh and new, yes. <laughs> you know, and oh, if if I'm in a, and I used to work in corporate myself, I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I was so demotivated. And the only thing that kept me going was like going for walks a couple of times or taking an afternoon nap once here and there. But I always felt guilty and people look at you, right? And yeah. so plus I wasn't doing what lights me up, you know? Yeah. And now that I have seen, I've gotten to taste what it means to have the freedom to do what I actually love, which is still like I have challenges and yeah. I don't always have a plan. I don't always know where the money is coming from, right? But yeah. uh, it has been overall, like, I feel free. I feel I have started to build such a strong foundation because with working and, and look, for some people working corporate is great, right? It's not that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur like you and I, but right. um in my case, there was such a codependency because I thought it's security, but it was really the opposite because like in, in my case, like I had set the intention to the universe very clearly. I want to leave corporate. I actually wrote a letter to myself at a retreat that once I have X amount of clients, I'm going to have the courage to leave. And then I think two weeks later, I got fired, which I, I knew it was going to happen. It, it was literally like, yeah I had shared my passion for coaching for a while with my boss and I had to train another girl for a month already so it wasn't like a surprise and I had already packed the day before I was already home um and I did it very obvious but it was this like you have worked for a company for five years 
um the, the day you got fired is the last day you got paid i no longer had insurance i was a single mom and i don't have words for that it's it's like and i grew up in germany and in germany at least um and different countries have different systems but you still have insurance you you usually get some kind of money and especially one of the things that i find so off here in the united states is that when people get sick they have to take their vacation days yeah and i'm like <laughs> what in the world like i could get furious about it like yeah. aren't you guys and of course there are people that take advantage of the system of course but I'm still speechless. And then you get what, two, two weeks of vacation, but then you better not take it because in case you get sick, because then you're not getting paid and you have more stress, which is, it's is like, I mean, come on guys. It's just like, it's not sustainable for anybody. And the companies that are thinking they're making big profits from this, it's not going to last no. because this is not sustainable for anybody, you know? And yeah. Anyways, I can go on a rant on here. So yeah, I could join you. I mean, it, it's, you see it everywhere, right? Even like you're saying, even it's written into our laws and the message is it is not okay to rest, right? Yeah, the message exactly. is keep going. Even if you are sick, even if you are unwell, don't rest. Mm -hmm. right? It's always yeah. power through. And it's almost as if there's virtue in suffering, right? There's vir virtue in exhaustion and depletion. And it's like mm -hmm. some sort of a badge of honor, but it's not sustainable, right? No. We, we don't have infinite resources in that way. No, and no. like you're saying, even there are even other countries that recognize this more, more breaks, more holidays, more paid leave for all sorts of things, more vacation, mm. right? Yeah. Some, sometimes resting or doing nothing is the most productive thing we can do but that's just not how we see it yeah and I actually want to say more than sometimes because it, from my and I still I still sometimes myself and and, and and my podcast for and foremost I did it for myself because my message always like Annalena slow down and yeah. when I allow myself to lean into the discomfort Oh, what's gonna happen but I have to pay this and I have to make money and and but my body's exhausted it it you run thinner and thinner and when I rest and I do the things that light me up well, these opportunities come I couldn't even think about it and then things get easy and all the money the money shows up and I'm like okay but it takes it takes time it takes practice and I I still yeah. like you say these two voices it keeps speaking I shouldn't rest I shouldn't da 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 and the more people I speak to, also my podcast, like you, it's it's like the the proof is there. It works yeah. over and over and over again. And I guess we that's why I'm so happy to have this conversation with you because we have to let people know. And yes. people like the more people do it, because it, it's a ripple effect, right? We are more rested, we feel better. And also for companies, when you get my magic for five minutes but my real magic the company's going to benefit more then you get eight hours of me but i freaking don't totally. care because i'm tired and and this this whole like how just this whole concept like you get paid based on the hours you work what in the world yes but right that's such limited thinking and and yet it's what we've all been most of us 
have been accustomed to, right? And that's mm-hmm. so much of also what I see in my work. You mentioned stories, like the stories that tell us essentially it's not safe to rest. Mm-hmm. And what I have come to see, and I'm seeing this with so many of my students as their stories inevitably come up, their stories about money and all of these things that really keep us contracted and tight and limited and in situations that aren't really serving us. And the one unifying characteristic that I have noticed is that these stories are not actually ours, right? These Mm. are stories that we have absorbed and taken on from culture or maybe from family members before us because it's what they had to do to survive, Mm. right? And there were very real realities about work for all humans, but probably even more so for women, right? That working, producing actually kept you safe, kept you housed and fed, right? Because Mm. of the economic constructs that we had for marriage and women and different things like this, there were realities that we had to align with. Mm. And those still live in us. And so often we hear those voices as if they're our own, right? And it makes us feel like there's something wrong with us, right? We've internalized these messages, like it's not safe to to rest, but are they ever really true? Right. And Mm. I think that's so much of the work. I do it in the stories that so many of my students and I have around money and how it has to be hard to earn it. Right. Mm. And that, is it even safe for me to have a lot of money? Because women have had much less access to money until very recently. And we still don't have as much. It's just factual. Mm. And so dealing with all of this and bringing to life, is this story yours? Is it true? Is is so much of the work. Mm. And, you know, because it's that internalization process that's really damaging. It says, why can't I just get it together? Why, Why can't I get my stuff together and just do it? Well, because this has been with us for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I can so relate. And I love you bring this up because it's also with emotions, right? We have to learn to, is it called disassociate from it, right? It's not, it's yeah. not, it's not who I am. I'm just feeling it. I'm the observer. And also these voices in our head. And it's like, yeah, kind of the is it really true? And until we prove it, it's really not, right? So and I think we're now learning. And I think we're very fortunate. I think our parents, the world wasn't ready. For, for this kind of paradigm yeah. shift. They were still like, they really had to do that. Like I remember my dad, four girls, I mean, wow. my mom and then he, he, and my mom too. I mean, four girls, that's a full-time job or even more than a full-time job, right? With all the hobbies going on and school and things and growing up and hormones kicking in with all the girls. I mean, wow. <laughs> it cannot be easy, right? Because I, I, I sometimes... I hear this a lot and I think I used to be there. We, it's easy for us to blame our parents, right? But they did the best they could with what they had. They were mostly born like right when the Second World War ended. I mean, I don't even want to imagine what kind of trauma they went through or they were born into, right? Right. So, and now that's why I feel so grateful like with human design, it's this, it's this tool that gives us a little bit of a shortcut where we're moving into society because Human design is actually, I don't know if you if you heard about this, but we used to be in the Inca in the cross of planning as a collective, which is all about, you know, the planning, just like the word says, and mm-hmm. five-year plans and figuring things out and more analytical, more the masculine kind of energy. And we're now moving into the sleeping cross of the phoenix, 
which is all about trust and surrender and oh, flow and good news. <laughs> yeah, this is what this whole like 2027 shift is about, right? Where we're more about community and supporting each other and this whole, especially this like be the sole provider as a single mom or even single dad can be, right? No, we're here to support each other. And when you, Aaron, are in your zone of genius with a trading, you create this ripple effect. Just listening to you, I, I want to know more. And me and Alina, I'm doing my stuff in my zone of genius, which is human design, and being on a podcast and sharing my observations of the world and how we can change things for the better of the future. You know, like it comes easy to me. It's fun. Same for you. Yes. But everybody benefits from it. Right. And the way the world is set up right now is that we are still forcing ourselves into trying to be it all. And we're drained and exhausted. And collectively, everybody suffers. The more you give yourself permission to do what comes easy to you, what lights you up, yeah. zone of genius, it's like the world starts to shine again everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think, I think my experience is that more people, or let's say more women, those are, I spend more time with more women, mm -hmm. but I feel like they're starting to hear that whisper, right? That voice. It's like, mm -hmm. mm, I've been doing this. I've done all the things I was supposed to do and it doesn't feel great, but, but what about that other thing? Like this thing that I'm really interested in. And and so it feels like people are starting to at least listen and hear that voice a little more. And I think, as you said earlier, we just need to see more and more examples of people doing it and it working and to hear, you know, what can happen. And it truly for me feels magical because I just let go. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that I was too exhausted to keep forcing myself and efforting to do things that were no longer aligned. Even if it mm. was a zone of excellence thing, which it is for so many of us, we're good at our yeah. jobs. But what happens when it, you know, every day I just felt like when I was practicing law, my soul died a little and I worked mm. with really good people and my clients were nice and it was intellectually interesting, but that's really different than being in your zone of genius. When what is technically work doesn't even feel like work. And, and that's an entirely new situation then when I may have spent the day doing things for this work, but it doesn't have the feeling, it doesn't have the energetic imprint of what work in the past did for me, right? Like mm. when I would work in the past, it was sort of a, an energy drain. It mm. was, it was something that I had to recover from. And this is something else. I don't even know if the word work applies, right? Because there's that other was, connotation. I was just thinking, like when you were talking, I think we need to find a new word for working, right? Because it's yeah. it's so ingrained in us that well, working is hard and well, in order to have fun, work first and then the fun. I mean, there's even yeah. like commercials about it. I think there's a couple of beer commercials in Germany, like <laughs> first the work and then the pleasure, right? So it's kind of this right. like um it's conditional to have fun and pleasure and enjoyment in life and what I, for me, it was human design where I finally understood that we are meant to have fun. We are meant to have joy. We are, that's how we can be of, because we're always about, I want to be of service. Yeah. Be of service 
you are being happy doing what you love, it comes easy. What doesn't feel like work, you know? Yeah. So be of service to yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, some, something that I needed to hear and that I sometimes tell my students is it gets to feel good, right? Your life mm-hmm. gets to feel good. And when you feel good, everyone in your life who cherishes you and loves you wins. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Which is the opposite of what we've all been taught is care for others first. And if there's anything left over, get a pedicure. Right. And mm-hmm. I personally don't think it's really working well, right? Mm. I, I don't I don't think it's serving us individually or in the collective. And so, you know, I think similar to what you're suggesting, I can feel something different being birthed um, right now. And it's it's powerful and it's a little scary and uncomfortable because it's so new, but I think mm. it's essential. Yeah, no, I can feel it too. Like you say, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I have this deep sense of trust that everything is just going to fall apart. And I'm actually excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I even feel that all the debt we have collectively is going to fall off. I don't know how. And I just have this because we feel like it's such a burden, but maybe it's not even going to be that because maybe I, I myself, so I have been working a lot on my own money story. And if I'm going to be like, the first step for me was to st- stop putting money on a pedestal. I used to define myself by how much money I make. And life wanted me to learn. Like, and Alina, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You have to let go of that dependency there. So that was my first big thing, to let go of that. I have to make X amount of money to be successful or to be proud of myself, whatever. So, and then also really move through the discomfort when money was really low. I mean, face my fears, right? And that is the the biggest win I can say for myself. Like the way that I feel about money is super shifted. I'm no longer like so scared and I feel more relaxed and more trusting. I'm not saying it's like that 100% of time. And yeah, my income has also gone up. Where I still personally struggle is I'm still holding on to a bunch of debt. And I, yeah. I, I'm right now, if you're going to ask me, I'm, I'm like, I, I kind of get out. Of, I want to get rid of it. And I think I need to refrain even, I mean, actually I have already like, okay, this has actually allowed me to build the life that I want, yeah. you know? And also it shows me that because credit has always been very accessible to me. I guess that's also for a reason because I do it with a good intention to create what I'm really meant to be doing. So, right. Because if it wasn't meant to be, I wouldn't have access to it. I think that's also there. And so, yeah. And that's why for me, when you came to me and about investing, I was like, Ooh, I want to learn about this actually myself. And what if actually that can help us also to create more and then eventually pay off the debt. Right. So yeah. I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because I notice how in our culture, there are two different views for the same practice. So what you described when you were talking about your debt is that you had um, used money, taken an advance on money Mm. and you applied it to something and you turned it into something new, which was Mm. your new lifestyle, your new way of being, your new business and work. Mm. And that's 
like totally run of the mill and in institutional investing, right? Mm-hmm. All the time, institutional investors use mm-hmm. debt strategically to make more money in the long run. It's considered smart. It's sort of like, why, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you leverage money in that way? Versus in the individual sense, there's this strange stigma around debt, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like um, a moral judgment if you have debt. And I find that very interesting because what's really happening as far as I see in both of those situations is an investment, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at the etymology of investment, it comes from the root vest, which is to dress or to clothe. So the Mm -hmm. implication is that you are changing the clothing, you are redressing, arguably dressing up that initial money into something else, right? And there's something, just as an aside, fairly alchemical in that process itself. But my question is, why is it pejorative for individuals to do that when it is expected and encouraged that institutional investors will do that? And that's really how I see it, right? Debt is an investment in yourself. And it's also just a choice of when you want to pay for something. And I think that there's a way that that debt is also another indication of the the wealth or abundance that exists in this whole human experiment that we're doing. There's just so much negative energy attached to debt. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can get so stuck in a story that somehow we're bad because we have it. Like there's something Mm -hmm. fundamentally wrong or flawed with us because we have debt. Like, no, how optimistic is that? that you mm. had debt because you believed in you mm. and you you had faith in what was coming, even then, though you didn't know exactly what it looked like. And so obviously there are technical aspects of debt and interest rates and timing of paying it off and all these things. But I wonder how much things would shift if we sort of were non-attached. We were just like, oh, it just is, right? Mm. I, I got this money now and I'm going to pay it off at this later date versus this right? This tightness. Mm. Do you feel this tightness that exists around debt for individuals? I, I don't know. I yeah, it's, just, really it's, feel. it's similar with the word work, right? I was like, we just maybe need to find different words. Like you say, I love you just call it an investment, right? And right. it's actually you showing you belief into yourself. And yeah, I, I do really like that. Yeah. And so I don't know, so many shifts, but I feel like they're happening, right? And and conversations like these really mm. help them happen faster or more extensively. And so, but yeah, I have students who, who use trading to help pay off debt. I have students who use trading to save for specific expenses, um, like even like health insurance premiums. Mm. Other students really just want to know how it works. They've been fascinated by this whole system and want the veil lifted, so to speak, and to just see, oh, there actually are patterns, which are not a hundred percent reliable. Otherwise, why would we even be doing it? But they're, you know, 80% of the time, it's the pat- the same pattern that's followed. And mm. so I think that's the thing I like about trading is that it's super versatile. You know, I, sometimes I use it really heavily and I use it for income and other times I'll just use it here and there, right? It's the skill that you have for your entire life. And Mm. you spoke earlier to freedom. 
And I think so many of us think that we want money and money is great and money is empowering and money is, feels good. But I have observed in myself and my students, I believe we want more than money, freedom. Right? Yeah, and, and I, like for me, it's time freedom. Yes. Like I, that's what's the thing with corporate. And that's why I think I also get so on the edge with this, like trading time for money because like like working 40 hours a week what else you have left right and then we yeah. have to clean the house and wash the dishes and yeah okay <laughs> and go to the grocery store you know it's like there's no freedom to do and for me this like and like you say money yeah no matter yeah let's say you, you have all the money in the world but you don't have time freedom I wouldn't I would rather not have the money but time freedom right because just the flexibility like you will notice as a mom to be able to pick up, I wasn't able to pick up my daughter from school when I was working nine to five, right? Um, and and now just when I have a day, like a couple of days ago where I just felt like I don't want to do anything, you know, I can make this happen. Yeah. You know, and and now it's, that's really the freedom or there's one day a week, I, for example, I have a defined will center in human design and I really need consistency because I can push through very easily. And I can just take an afternoon nap every day in corporate. It's kind of not so, yeah. not so, um, yeah, common practice or it's probably really judged. And yeah, it's all the freedom to the location freedom as well, because yeah. I'm not a hundred percent there yet, but it's already happening like that. I can work really wherever I am, as long as I have a computer and Wi-Fi, and that can be really anywhere. Right. Yeah. So before it was this like okay you work at this office here you have to go there every single day and again the modification especially here in the US is so limited it's just like and then we have this like yeah I do this until I retire and then what right yeah. so it's it's I mean delaying delaying pleasure and and flow I think maybe what we're talking about is flow Mm -hmm. right? It's sort of like we have this traditional version of work and it's very formulaic and it's very consistent and there's not a lot of give, right? For, for how or where you work, but also for the individual doing the work, you have to conform. And then there's this other concept of flow, right? Of like, oh, I can really go with it or I can go here or I can go there. And mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's what you're talking about. And that's what I've experienced that has truly been life-changing, right? And mm. it's hard to quantify the effects of having that ability to flow or that flexibility or whatever we want to call it in your life. The I don't think we understand what a toll having to fit ourselves into a box every day for 40 years, what a toll that mm. takes, mm. right? And yeah. no one really tells us there's another way. No. Well, we are here. We're doing it. We are here. <laughs> we are here. But yeah, I yeah. I agree that the location freedom, it it feels surreal for me sometimes. I'm like, wow, yeah. I can be here doing this, doing something I enjoy, doing something that generates income. It does feel surreal. Yeah, and I have to sometimes remind myself, like it's here and because we're always also chasing the next thing right like we're like oh i haven't we focus more on what we haven't achieved than what we actually have and i'm actually yeah. glad right now we're having this conversation because it makes me realize like whoa 
I have created something that I like many years ago. I was like, oh my god, I wish I would have that, right? And it's it's really here, and it's just it's so expansive and feels so light. Mm. And the thing with flow, so that's that's actually part of my my whole everything in my human design and the gene is all about creating flow and bringing the divine feminine back into everything. Right. And, um, I have recently heard some, you know, the, I want to say old school kind of coaches, where it's very masculine energy. And they were saying like, well, the mistake is you shouldn't go with the flow because they define flow as going with what everybody else is doing, but that's not at all what it's about. Flow for me is, to open yourself up to receive the divine insights, your intuition, right? Following your human designs, stretching your authority, what feels good in your body, which yeah. as you know, at times feels really scary, which for me was leaving a corporate job yeah. and, and the flow of life was like, well, here you go. You're getting fired because you're not doing it yourself, right? That was my flow of life and surrendering into that. And my yeah. flow is totally different than yours. At sometimes we meet, we create something together, we make more impact, we support each other, right? And then we meet somebody else and create all this magic together. Um, but what I have found is that flow is really where all the synchronicities show up, things start yeah. to feel easy. It does not mean everything is always easy and there are no challenges coming our way. But what I have found is that the more I listen to my intuition, which again, there's also fears attached to trusting that and right, yeah. letting go of the control. When I do that, it really, things really flow and become easy. When I don't listen, I get a big kick in the butts because yeah. life wants us to learn, We're here to trust. It's, it's, it's almost like we're being um, directed and all we have to do is listen. But, you know, we're up here in the mind and we're trying to be smarter. And then it gets hard and every, and we have so much more resistance and, and we're trying to push. It's like we're trying to swim against the current. And yeah. well, you can go a little bit, but at some point, that's where the exhaustion then kicks in. You swim yeah. in the flow. Oh, it was easy. Let's do another one. Well, and I think you said, you know, to listen, right? To listen to the intuition or whatever we want to call it. And for me, at least, it takes stillness to be able to hear it. It's oh. so much harder to hear if we're going, going, going. Mm -hmm. And so again, how do we bring more pauses, more stillness, more times of not doing into our day? Because right, that's when you think about this more feminine energetic model there's a lot of just receiving, waiting, and trusting, right? Mm -hmm. If you think of a mountain-fed spring, the spring is just there at the bottom of a valley waiting for the water to flow into it. It doesn't yeah. even have to effort to get filled up. Or even I like to think a lot about the human ovum, right? It just waits for the sperm to come. It's like, I'm here. Mm. You'll come. Mm. Yeah. That's right. So I'm not, true. I'm not efforting. And then what comes out of that, right? Two cells turn into 25 trillion cells. That's why that's a very different model than mm. do more, do more, do more. Mm. And I think it's just, it's just a practice, right? It of, is. Yeah. And and there, there is no coincidence why the people that have found the most really fulfillment in life 
they have been on these silent meditation retreats. They have been, and like you say, it's it's all about stillness. And for me, where I finally got it, because I have heard about you know, meditate, slow down all the time. For me, when I learned these arch- 64 archetypal energies in the human design chart, the gates, or also yeah. they're also in the jinkies, every single energy is basically saying that. Or, or, or the biggest message of human design, if I look at all the messages that every gate and center has, it's all, you have to slow down, you have to pause. And the whole thing with the way to respond, wait for recognition and invitation, it's everything is teaching us we have to slow down and and the slower I go and the more because I cannot even cease or listen to like you say I cannot even listen to because the intuition is like the the most subtle whisper oh yeah and the mind is double as loud as the intuition and the emotions are four times louder than the intuition like you know so we're constantly like distracted we are so stuck in the head you know and our heart is trying to get our attention and the intuition is like there's too much noise yeah right there's that that's what the exhaustion is by all this overstimulation yeah and and more and more and you have to buy this and do this and that and oh it's so exhausting I totally agree and you're talking about stillness and meditation and all of this and it's as if it's hiding in plain sight, right? The wisdom, because Mm. sometimes I think we are human beings, like be, right? We're not not human doings (laughs) and it's right there. And yet we keep doing, right? And Mm. it's really hard to get off the doing train, but I can't recommend it more. The more I do it, the more things happen in my life that five years ago, I never could have imagined. Right. Mm. I, I truly could not have imagined it was not within my scope. It was not within my belief system of what a life could look like. Mm. Yeah. So that, that's why it's so beautiful. You know, we have gotten the taste of it. I think we get more and more confirmation. We keep sharing it. And more and more people, like you say, our, our beliefs always come from somewhere because, oh, they're doing it. It works. And we start to believe yeah. and then it starts to happen for us. So we're creating a new trend. Yes. I mean, let's just keep asking, what if? Right? Yeah. What else is possible? And you know, the 63 is this energy of, we're actually in the 63 right now, as we record, okay. that's your conscious earth. It's like, what else is possible? That's kind of the energy. Oh, of the I love that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love this so much. So Erin, I would love to hear now for some of the listeners, especially the ladies that are listening, like, what does it take to get started with trading? Well, um, in terms of opening a, an account, it takes $1, but I would recommend a, a few more dollars than that if you want to get, be able to buy a share of stock. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually pretty easy to open a trading account. And the trading platform that I recommend has a simulation account, which mm-hmm. is really fun. And I actually recommend to my students that they trade in that for at least three months just to get used to the process, right? And then mm-hmm. when once your nervous system is feeling calm, then move into trading with real money. But mm, that's um, a that's a very valuable tip because once it becomes safe for the nervous system, we can also maintain it, right? 
Yes, mm. exactly. And we, what we want to do, which is why I don't force people into 10 trades in 10 days or watch the videos, you know, once a day on the schedule is because we know all the way back from Pavlov and those experiments, but we want to maintain a positive association with what we're doing. That's mm. why we keep doing our hobbies because they're pleasurable and there's a positive mm. association. And so here there's, there's not a rush, right? We learn on at the pace we learn at and when we're ready, right? Because all of this we've been talking about is a return to the self as the mm. supreme one who knows. And so mm. that's how I teach my class. So then we go through it. Maybe you take my class one time, it's eight weeks and you're ready to trade. I have students who do that. They love it. Mm. They grasp it. They're ready to go. And I have other students who come in and they're like, oh, I'm so triggered by these charts. And then we work on their math beliefs or I'm, you know, or life happens and they take it two times or three times. And then I have another student who took it three times and she's been trading in her simulation account for six months and she's going to start trading live in a month that works for her and her nervous system. Mm. So, you know, we, we keep coming back to the self and our individual knowing as supreme. And I just lay everything out in the class step-by-step, step, right? It's designed for women, my friends who were already exhausted and have super full lives. So mm. come as you can come as you are, and you will grasp it over time. It's just a matter of exposure. And then, you know, I treat all of my students like they're whole humans. So I don't just give you a technical method and walk away. It's subconscious beliefs about money and math and numbers, the stories, the things that I've experienced with my students that we've worked on are truly incredible in that sense. And we do tons of nervous system work. It's the mm. core of our method. I say that these other softer aspects are more than half of being an excellent trader. Anyone can learn the method. It's pattern finding, right? Yeah. It's attention to detail. I, I, I would even like go as far as like the Pareto rule, right? 80-20, that the whole yeah. nervous system is like 80% and the actual technical stuff is probably just 20%. And yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that so much because that's with everything, right? Yeah, we can like, we, yeah, you can win the lottery and be a millionaire temporarily. But if you if that doesn't feel safe to your nervous system, it's going to be gone in no time. You know, and there, there's so many stories also with people that it because it shocks your nervous system, it doesn't feel safe. So you're un unconsciously, subconsciously doing everything you can to get rid of the money because it's not safe. It's not your identity, right? So that's yep. why good things take time right and i love that you yes. allow the space for everybody's unique process like like you say some people take once to take off other people need two years to feel fully safe for that but they build a solid foundation that they can build upon right and yeah i think that's yeah. that's incredible and what is um what is uh you said like it takes a dollar to just open an account what is like an amount let's say somebody's really working on the beliefs and starting eventually to get into trading. What is like, uh, you know, people that are looking to create a monthly income with, mm. with trading or supplemental income, like what are some kind of different kind of scenarios? Because I know there's no like guarantee or there's no like one yeah. path, but kind of a couple of scenarios that you have seen that, that are kind of realistic in some way of how much money you have to put in and, the output that it can come from it. 
Yeah. The, and that's so true. You can use this tool in so many ways. So some people, like I said, just want to know how it works. And so they'll trade in their SIM account, simulation account, or they might trade with a couple thousand dollars just because it's fun for them. Mm. And so any money they make, that's exciting. Um, if, you know, if you get into the, the two to $5,000 range, you can save over time for something specific, right? Some, you know, you want to pay off your car or a vacation or something like this. And then as you get into, if you were say trading with five to $10,000, you could, you could supplement your monthly income. Of course, it's so different for everyone, how much they would mm. be looking to supplement mm. with. And then I have students who are very serious and they're looking to replace income. And I would say around 20 to 25,000, you mm. can begin to replace your income with that. Again, it varies widely. I mm. have some students, um, a pattern is people leaving unaligned working situations and beginning to travel oh, all over awesome. widely. And it happens that often, and I found this myself as well, traveling outside of the States, it's actually much more economical to live. So you, you get a better quality of life most often in my experience, mm. and it is a lower cost of living. And so then trading fits in really well there because at least for me, relative to the cost of living here in Seattle, even living in Paris was 40% cheaper. Wow. Um, yeah. Was... I, I mean, I live in South Florida and it has gotten ridiculous to the point where it's like, really? Yeah. It's, I ask it's... myself that a lot also. And I'm really saying, okay, mm. yeah. What is, what am I trading? You know, what am I getting? Does it, mm. does it resonate on a deep level? Obviously when you have children, there are many other factors as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then other people use trading for just to increase their returns in their 401ks. So I think of them a little bit more as almost like weekend warriors. You might mm. place a trade once or twice a month just to increase your returns in your retirement account. So those people don't really have any plans to stop working. A lot of the people who do that in my class are in corporate work that they can tolerate, right? They don't, mm -mm. I'm not sure any of them love, love, love their work, but they are tolerating it. And so yeah. that's another use for it. And that's why I really like it. it in that way, it feels like um, a sovereignty skill in some way, right? You can use it for however you want to use it. And it just feels really good to have access to something that has truly been off limits to most of us for a long time. That in itself mm. is, is something very different and mm. makes people feel more fully in their power. So I love it on so many levels. It's intellectually interesting. You know, so many of the things that you mentioned, I could riff on how that appears to us in trading. And then there's obviously the money aspect, which Mm. money is great too yeah and so one final question that came up for me for me personally if I think about trading because I've also you know the, the crypto are you mm. doing with crypto as well or no you do regular I just do old-fashioned stocks good cool no because you know crypto has been very volatile and mm -hmm. just going down mainly the last year and a half but um I think one of my biggest uh fears that I would have to work on or beliefs is this like, oh, I'm just going to lose money. You know, it's just good mm -hmm. to good to be true or something like this. So how do you work with the risk? Mm. 
thing. I love this. Thank you for asking. So we talk a lot about loss and a few things. So for one, the way that I teach trading is, you know, exactly how much you could lose the moment you enter your trade. So there is never a question mark. There's never a feeling, you know, that feeling in your stomach when it feels like you're falling and the bottom is dropping out. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing because we have a precise number before we enter the trade. And then that's another place where we invite our nervous system in. And we don't start with how much could I make? We start with how much could I lose? And then we actually do somatic testing to mm-hmm. figure out whether that is a number that actually works for us. And so my, mm. you know, a funny standard that I use, I call it yawn trading. You're, it should be that when, if you lose money, which you do because it's trading and also it's life, right? Loss mm. is inevitable. Mm. But that when you do lose, you literally yawn. Like you're not activated. Your heart rate doesn't increase. You know, you don't start sweating. Your stomach doesn't feel swirly. Like we are not looking for grand slams and we are not looking for big losses. That's that's actually not how you get sustainable returns in the long run. Yeah, because then we are in this emotional roller coaster, right? We get too yes. excited when we make the So we're kind of feeling grounded in the body because when we lose, it's like, okay, I was cool with that. I already knew from the beginning that can yeah. happen. And when we have a big win, it's also, okay, I can hold that. Yeah, for me, right? You're so right because a huge win can be as triggering as a loss, right? Because when it is outside of our story or our our ceiling for money, right? Like if you make fifteen thousand dollars in a day and you're not a person who's used to doing that regularly, I have seen a lot of times the next day people will subconsciously enter a trade that's not the best. Mm-hmm. or make a mistake and lose money. And so we mm-hmm. are here for the long game. We are here to be kind to ourselves, right? And our nervous systems. And and so that's why everything is locked in right up front. We enter how much we could make, how much we could lose, and the price we want to enter the trade at. And everything's automated. So then you just walk away, right? Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I love. So, I love. so it's, it's like nervous system regulated trading. Yeah, it's right? compassionate trading. Yeah, it's, it's trading it. based in in self love rather than putting ourselves in fight or flight. We don't need more of that. Yeah, because that's exactly like I have literally I have associated trading with fight or flight and stress. Stress. Yeah, that's, that's really what it is. So it has been just incredible to listen to your reframe on that and like I. I like you open up a new perspective for me that I could not see before. So I think that's just, and for my audience, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's, um... Oh, thank you. It's been so fun. And I just want to say one, one other piece on that is that, you know, we have these perceptions about trading and a lot of times, like you're saying, we associate it with fight or flight or competition, possibly a masculine energy. And I just, what I have observed is that the skills that I think that I see really being needed are skills that I think are more developed in our culture in women than in men or other genders, right? And mm-hmm. that is um, the attention to detail that that so many caretaking jobs need, right? You're attentive to detail, you're recognizing patterns often in humans, but it can be in other professions as well. Mm-hmm. Trading is really about recognizing patterns. It's really not super mathy and super numbers based. 
And also just to remind ourselves that humans have been trading forever, right? This, we think of this, we think mm -hmm. of like stocks and computers and wall street, but it's, it's, tra it's trading. That's something that's sort of built into all of us in the human experience, whether it's like an object, it's a basket, it's, you know, food, it's whatever, right? Like we know how to trade. Mm -hmm. It's just, we're seeing these patterns translated into a different unit. Which, which is what we see on the stock charts. Yeah, and even like if I go to the grocery store, I trade my money yeah. for eggs and cheese and, you know, like everything is an exchange. And Yeah, yeah. this is not outside of us. This is not the other. This is something we've already been doing. Mm. So oh, I love that. Oh, I'm so inspired and... Yeah, it's just such a gift to have such a different point of view on this and see the possibilities in there um, and how you make the connection with the nervous system. That's just, that's really magical. Mm. Well, yeah, it's pretty fun. And I love hearing the human design approach. I mean, I think there's there's so much bringing all of these other frameworks in to something that mm. feels as formulaic as trading, I think is really where the big stuff happens right? yeah yeah because I, I now that you're talking you can also bring then human design into it because for me as a manager and i have to try things out i have to be more experimental maybe use a little bit smaller amounts yeah uh, other people have other gifts and they the way that they trade is, is going to be different based on also human design like we're all unique so yeah i think that's yeah, that's so magical. And so how can people get in touch with you? I'm going to drop it all in the show notes, of course, but what's the best way to? Yeah, they can find me at erinwest.co or alternatively on Instagram at humans who trade, which is the name of my class. So I would love to teach anyone in your audience because it is, um, I think there's a big intersection between human design, between slowing down, right? I love what you say, slowing down so that you can mm -hmm. quantum leap. That's really what's happening. And in fact, do you know that the research actually shows that women are more profitable traders than men and they mm -hmm. actually trade less, which mm -hmm. put differently like says it. trading more, which men happen to do according to the research actually makes you less profitable doing more makes you less profitable doing less see it's already in all the research doing less it's there it's more like <laughs> yeah we all need to spend more time in solitude have more fun yeah be more be more of a human being right like i love that too that stuck with me like of course we're human beings <laughs> so. yeah I know, right? Tr trade by morning, do whatever the heck you like to do in the afternoon. I've I've gotten into the things that I I can't even believe, like skateboarding and I don't mm. know what, making croissants and whatever. I'm learning, you know, to uh, play the we, guitar. And <laughs> we we watched that recently on YouTube how to make croissants. It's oh, it's, it's fascinating. Really yeah, it's it's like a five hour, ten hour. It's incredible. <laughs> It is an art form. You know, when we were in Paris, we took mm -hmm. classes on, on making croissants and we learned from our instructor that it takes six years in France to become a pastry chef and to become a doctor. Like it, that's, wow. that's the level of complexity for laminated dough. So I am not an expert, but I continue to try. 
That's awesome. I love it. And I love croissants, especially with chocolate. I know. <laughs> awesome. Erin, thank you so much. I could yeah. probably talk for you a whole lot longer. Thank you for yeah. following your passion and having the courage to leave behind a life that wasn't really sparking you anymore and you know showing the world what is possible especially women that we can and for humanity men as well right that we're showing yeah. them we can do less we can be more because i also feel especially men must have so much burden on their shoulders right because yeah. they have been in this hustle culture and they have probably many they have to be the providers and we're all in this together right and i yeah and it's just beautiful that we bring this in and it's probably also going to support so many men and any kind of gender we have out there. Right. So. Absolutely. You know, I teach 85% women, but 15% of my students are men. And, mm. you know, like you said, the patriarchy cages men and women. It's not about mm. man hating at all. It's mm. putting people in boxes and limiting them mm. and making them feel like they have to do things that aren't aligned with who they are. Mm. I think, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, f I feel like we women come now more back into the business world to support men also so to show them it can also be easier and you guys can have fun as well and yeah be more be more do less quantum leap all the things yeah all the things <laughs> I love it thank you yeah, so much awesome. for having me such a fun chat yeah likewise and thank you listeners for being here for listening and can't wait to hear all your feedback about the episode please reach out to Erin if that sparks something within you and I'm so excited to be with you all on the next episode thank you Erin thank you Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. And if you also know someone that you know in your heart could benefit from listening to this podcast, then I invite you to please share and help me reach more conscious leaders so we together can create global impact. I truly appreciate you and see you next time.